0: I was working at Nordstrom. This was pre-pandemic, of course, everybody's in the office, and traffic is horrible in L.A. And I kept thinking, well, you know, if I can get like a cup of coffee via app? and delivered to my desk in 30 minutes. Why in the world can I not get this dress or these shoes or these things that I'm looking for online delivered to my dress? And at that time, funny enough, it seems kind of weird now, but clothing really wasn't a thing that people thought about getting delivered. It was just food. And so I was just like, I don't want to sit in traffic for an hour, go to the mall and not find the thing I want when I can just look online. I can precisely choose what I want and get it delivered.
1: Welcome to Keep Going, a podcast from Azuma where we share motivational stories from small business owners. I'm Greg. And I'm Ben. And we're your hosts for this episode. Today we're talking with Jerisa, the founder of GoFly, a technology company that helps businesses reach new customers, increase brand awareness online, and ultimately grow. Jerisa, welcome.
0: Thank you. I'm very excited to be here.
2: And we're excited to have you, Jerisa. Why don't you tell us where you're from, what your background is, what kind of pointed you in this direction?
0: I am originally from Kinston, North Carolina. It is the home of a lot of basketball players for some reason, but it is a very small town (laughs) other than that.
1: You chose a different route, though. I chose a different route,
0: route. yeah. (laughs) So what it looked like was, Someone playing around in drama class, winding up being an actress in New York, then becoming a red carpet host, moving to LA and deciding that she wanted to be a writer and interviewing people. And all of a sudden, I decide I want to be a
2: startup founder. (laughs) I see. I I can see the
1: natural progression. That makes sense. (laughs) I think we need to unpack that a little bit.
0: (laughs) I think, you know, sometimes that happens for people. And I think it's it's so important for people to know that they don't have to have the traditional background to start a business because that imposter syndrome can set in making you feel like you can't build what you're building because you didn't do it before. You don't have the pedigree for it, but it's just not true.
1: Growing up. It sounds like you were kind of the goofy kid in drama class, but were you entrepreneurially minded as well? Or were you just life is good and having fun? Yeah,
0: life was pretty decent. You know, I grew up in the age where you graduate from high school and you go to college and there's no question about it. Even though there was definitely some moments where I felt like I don't think I really want to go to college because I don't think that's the path for me. It was like if you don't go to college, then what are you going to do? So it was just a choice by default. Well, I ended up going to a great school, went to UNC Chapel Hill, so can't complain about that. Dabbled into the acting world, and I was just too afraid to take it all the way because I was always concerned about how do you make a stable income being an actor? And I mean, I'm acting every day. <laughs> <laughs> All those things were stepping stones along the way to get me to where I am.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Not to take us too far back, but I did want to step back and talk more about your red carpet hostess. Now you're the founder of (laughs) GoFly. What happened there that sparked you to go and found this business and specifically one that's so drastic from what you are currently doing?
0: I was doing red carpet hosting. Loved it. I wanted to be taken a little bit more seriously, not to say red carpet hosts or not, but I was looking at people on LinkedIn and I was looking at hosts and you know, looking at their background, what they did before. And a lot of them had a very strong writing background. So I decided, okay, I'm going to start writing started a blog, and someone messaged me asking for someone like myself to write articles. So I started writing for this publication. And during my time writing for them, probably about two weeks in, they asked me if I could interview a founder of a startup in Silicon Valley. So this was probably around 2016. So let me tell you, I did not know what a founder was. I did not know what a startup (laughs) was. And living in LA had never heard of Silicon Valley. (laughs) So I started, I was asking friends, Hey, do you know a founder of a startup? And they were like, Oh yeah, I know a founder of a startup. (laughs) Like I was asking, like it was something so weird. And so I started interviewing all of these founders. I ended up becoming a contributor for Forbes, still interviewing founders. I probably have interviewed over a hundred. And for all of them, well not for all of them, but for I would say 80% of them, they did not have a background for the thing that they were passionate about building. And I was just floored. One, I was like, wow, so you've never done this, but you're like doing it, and there's someone who gives you money to build it? Where is this world? Like, how did this happen? I had no clue that this ever existed. And so I started to ideate what I would potentially want to build. I didn't make any moves on it till about 2018. But like I started to think about it. So that's how I went from being awesome. a red carpet host to being inspired to be a founder and taking small steps. And here I am.
2: Wow. And it seems like you plunged yourself right in.
0: I'm laughing because I had no clue that's what I was doing. Um, (laughs) If you ever uh, have heard Jen Hyman from Rent the Runway, she said she had no clue that she was getting into the uh, dry cleaning business. They just wanted to like have women get these dresses. Same thing. I was working at Nordstrom. This was pre-pandemic. Of course, everybody's in the office and traffic is horrible in L.A., And I kept thinking, well, you know, if I can get like a cup of coffee via app, and delivered to my desk in 30 minutes, why in the world can I not get this dress or these shoes or these things that I'm looking for online delivered to my dress? And at that time, funny enough, it seems kind of weird now, but clothing really wasn't a thing that people thought about getting delivered. It was just food. And so I was just like, I don't want to sit in traffic for an hour, go to the mall and not find the thing I want when I can just look online. I can precisely choose what I want and get it delivered. And so I did plunge in, not knowing I was in logistics. Believe me, when I I think I was deep in there when I realized, oh my god, I'm, this is logistics. I have to get vans and drivers, and wow, this is this is really complicated. And um, <laughs> I think very deeply about the people that we serve. We have women who are like hey, I just want to make sure that I'm going to get my package today because I am going on vacation tomorrow. And like that means something to me. When we first started in uh, Seattle, I wanted to see what it was like to deliver there. So myself and one of our team members, we were riding around Seattle and one of the stops that we made, a little girl answered the door. Her mom was in the kitchen cooking. And I was like, this is our customer. She doesn't have time to go to the mall. She has a family. She's working. She's cooking. But she wants to feel good because what we really deliver is happiness and confidence is not clothes. That's just the customer that I am so passionate about helping every single day.
2: Wow. You're definitely on to something here. This industry has huge potential. We're already seeing clothing, delivery, service, right? Mm -hmm. But it still seems early. There's opportunity for you to connect clothing distributors and stores with this ability to deliver the way some of these disruptors are now. So it's really exciting.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, And then we're working on some new things to make ourselves stand out even more. We have this new try-on service that we really want to help retailers reduce some of their returns while helping people get the right size. We realized that a lot of fashion returns are due to people just either they're ordering more things that they intend to keep just to try it on at home or they ordered one thing, didn't get the right size. They return it or give it away and maybe never go back to that brand again. So we're adding that as one of our services that we're super excited about.
2: Like you say on your website, returns are here to stay, especially for online retailers. And there's your opportunity. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What were some of the hurdles in getting this going? I mean, you're, you're making a drastic change in career and you're, you're going down the startup route that you don't have any experience in. And what were some of the difficulties in getting this up and going?
0: I would say capital for you know expansion, which is you know the thing for a lot of people. But when I started with the company, I was definitely always revenue driven. And I got that idea from talking to a lot of black female founders, to be honest with you. And their thing was, hey, if you're gonna raise money, you're gonna have to have revenue. As a woman, as a black woman, you're gonna have to have revenue. So that was the thing. It's like, okay, you know, how do I Build this business based on revenue without any funding to start. That's really challenging and not being afraid of not knowing, saying yes, saying yes when I don't know. I said yes today where I was like, yes. I don't know, I'll figure it out, but yes, yes, we can do that. <laughs> so, you know, just getting around your own confidence and saying, yes, you can do it. Finding people to be part of the team, hiring your first people, knowing who to hire. Hiring is so hard. I don't know if there's a formula of getting that right. I also think I want to point this out. Being comfortable with failing is like one of the hardest things. You just have to get over it. You've got to fail and you just got to move on. It's not going to be perfect. You're not going to win every single thing that you try, but you have to decide quickly that you're going to move on. And having the support and having people who can talk to you and let you know that you didn't fail, and this is very normal, is very important to get into the mind of a founder. Because not only are you balancing possible failures, possible things that didn't happen that you wanted to happen, Never having enough cash, also the emotions of your team, you have to still walk into the room or walk into the Zoom meeting and motivate them. When you're thinking about 10,000 things that aren't working right, you still have to be the main motivator. I don't know if you can learn that skill without doing. You can read books, but you got to just go through the experience.
2: Yeah. They don't teach that in college.
0: No, not (laughs) at all. (laughs) Not at all. Yeah,
1: You feel like the whole world is falling apart yet. You go and motivate everybody. This is, this is good. This is working. You know, it's, (laughs) we're doing amazing. (laughs) And, uh, you are, you know, but man, sometimes it's, it's hard to feel like you are. Right. Yeah,
2: That is awesome. And you mentioned earlier that you were thinking about going and raising funds. That's something that's typically really daunting to people. And have you done that before? Have you gone through that process?
0: Let me tell you, raising money is one of the most humbling experiences a founder (laughs) could ever go through. Last year, we were lucky enough to be invited to participate in one of the biggest accelerators, Techstars. And I entered as a solo founder, which is super hard. And we were getting all of these notifications of, it's going to be so hard to raise. It's going to be so hard to raise. And it's like, well, that's not what I want to hear. I just did three and a half months (laughs) of ruling program. So that I can wind up raising money. And I did go out for meetings. And again, as a solo founder, it's really difficult because I still need to make sure the business is okay. So you kind of got to balance that. I had about 70 meetings. Now, I've talked to a lot of founders and... The threshold is usually one hundred one hundred and fifty, 150. So that means I have more oh work to do. <laughs> I just talked to a founder a couple of days ago. She's amazing. She just recently raised 8 million. And for her first round, though, her, her first round of raising, she said she had about 250 meetings. With that being kind of the norm and now being in a very uncertain market, it just makes it harder. I think you have to separate your feelings from the nose and keep it moving. That's super, super hard. Easier said than done.
1: Well said.
2: Yeah. You have summarized it very well. And I guess I was thinking about asking about advice that you'd give, but I think you just really provided a lot of it right there. And that's what I love about the entrepreneurial community is just it's filled with those people who Mm. are willing to, Push on when it feels like everything around them is saying, Don't. There's just something so empowering about that perspective that our circumstances don't make us what we are or don't determine what we can accomplish. It's what's inside of us that determines that. And I think you've illustrated that really well.
0: I totally agree. I would add to that, I'm very particular about who I decide I want to talk to when I'm having a hard moment. And I'm always going to pick those people who will not let me quit. Because there are some people who will say, well, maybe you can do this. And um, maybe you can go back to work and then go back to your dream. Or you can just sit this out, regroup. And I know they mean well, but you got to have people who will not allow you to quit. And those are the people you share your hard moments with. Especially now, there's a lot of companies, a lot of startups that have decided to shut down because of the fundraising environment, or they've taken a pivot. There's this other option, which I've had to do. It's like, hey, I don't want to give up on my dream. We might not be able to move as fast as I want to. So why don't I pull back until we can that's another option. You don't have to quit. You don't have to shut down. You don't have to say, oh my God, nobody's going to give me a million dollars. So there's no way that we're going to survive. In the tech space, they make you feel like you have to have all this money to be able to survive. But there's another option where you just say, scale down, scale back, take inventory of what's really good about what we do, and maybe let's focus on that. Or if it's a pivot, let's try this and figure out how long we can try this pivot until we need to re-strategize. But there's always a way to keep going.
2: I think in those moments that you do choose to scale back and slow it down, those are actually... Very valuable phases of time where often your product or service becomes refined and crystallizes so that when you go back and lean into the growth, you've got more substance to your product or service as a result of that time that you took. And I think that, like you described in the tech industry, that a lot of times that's missing. They don't spend enough time with the why and the details of what they're offering. And they just want to get it out there as fast as they can. And it's a flash in the pan. If you have taken that time to really invest, not just money, but invest time and thought into refining what you're actually delivering and why you're delivering it, you're much more likely to succeed when the environment opens up.
0: I totally agree. When you have limited resources, that's when you're careful about who you're hiring, what you're spending money on, and you get to your real reason of why you exist. That's the magic. It's not about having 10,000 features that no one is ever going to use. It's like, what are the one or two features that delight your customers and then build from that?
2: Yeah, you can make a lot of dumb decisions if you put that pressure on yourself and aren't willing to push the release button. You can burn a lot of money really fast.
0: Yeah. You know, once you get capital, you know, there's that pressure spending it right away from your investors. And so if you're not grounded and if you're not sure of your vision, I mean, imagine the pressure of someone saying, when are you going to spend this money? Where are you going to spend this money? You need to spend it now. And yes, you want to move at a certain pace. But you also need to take those moments and just take a step back. Like, am I building the right thing? And it is okay to ask yourself that several times because the company you start with is definitely not going to be the company you end up with. I heard that so many times at the beginning. And here I am working on these new things and trying to get feedback from my customers. Is this what you want? Oh, I see. There's this other problem. Wow, okay, this is a big problem. So it's just taking a step back, asking yourself the hard questions, being okay saying, you know what, this wasn't the right direction. Let's move in this direction and managing the pace that works for you.
2: Well, Jerisa, we've really appreciated your time and the wisdom you've provided. We'd like to ask all of our friends joining us here on the podcast to summarize what is it that keeps you going every day? In your business?
0: What keeps me going is knowing that this is the assignment I have on my life. I don't get up every single morning for myself, I get up every single morning to make an impact on the people around me, to make their lives better, whether it's my team. I love to ask them, you know, is there something else that you want to work on? Like, is there another skill that you want to be able to use at work? I want to help you build the life that you want. Or whether it's one of our drivers. I had a driver who was working because he was getting ready to buy a home. I'm so happy to be part of that story for you. So I get up every single day to serve my team to serve my customers, to serve anyone that comes in the vicinity of using GoFly. I'm here to serve you to make your life better. And I think when you think about service and serving your customers and your team, that's when things just open up.
1: That's so true. That's such a great perspective and especially for the founder to have. Thank you. Well, we've really enjoyed having you on today. We appreciate you taking the time to be with us and we wish you all the best going forward.
2: Yes, thank thank you.
0: Thank you. This is awesome. Thank
1: you so much. Thank you listeners for joining us today. If you or someone you know would like to share your small business story, please go to mazumausacom slash keep going and fill out the form at the bottom of the page. And if you are looking for tax advice for your small business, be sure to join our keep going Facebook group and check out our website at mazumausa.com.